Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Creedal Catholic. Creedal Catholic is a Catholic theology and apologetics podcast that is faithful to the magisterium and dedicated to the mission of the new evangelization. We're a part of the Vernacular Podcast Network, and if you'd like to support us or find out more about the other shows on our network, head to patreon.com slash vpn or vernacularpodcast.com. Patreon.com slash vpn or vernacularpodcast.com. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Creedal Catholic. I hope you are ready to enjoy a blessed Lent, even though it may be hard. I hope that you've chosen some good personal sacrifices that you can make and uh, unite your sufferings to Christ and draw closer to him as we approach Easter. I wanted to, before I start this awesome interview with Kendra Tierney, I wanted to just remind you that we're doing our Lenten book club where we are talking about Pope Benedict XVI's Jesus of Nazareth Holy Week from the entrance into Jerusalem to the resurrection. If you haven't gotten your copy, it's not too late. Just look it up at the library or buy your own on Amazon or from Ignatius Press. Uh, We're going to do the first four chapters and release that next week and then do two more installments of the book club uh, with the next four chapters and then the final three chapters. So we're going to release next week the first four chapters. That's the entrance into Jerusalem and the cleansing of the temple, Jesus's eschatological discourse, the washing of the feet, and Jesus's high priestly prayer. Uh, We'll be discussing those, Kevin and I, uh, released next week. So if you want to join us, it's not too late. Please do grab your copy and we'll read the next four chapters for our discussion next week. And my discussion with Kendra here is really fantastic. So I hope you enjoy and and can incorporate some of these practices into your Lenten observance as well. All right, let's go to the interview. All right, I'm here with Kendra Tierney, who, among other things, has written this very impressive book called The Catholic All-Year Compendium, Liturgical Living for Real Life. It is something that has been a sort of uh, use use manual in our household for how to observe the, the, the liturgical year as a family. It's over 300 pages of just really good info about how you can live liturgically as a family. And we'll talk all about what exactly that means and everything. But first of all, Kendra, welcome to Creedal Catholic. Thank you, Zach. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you. Your work has been a great blessing in the life of my family. You've been a huge influence for Sally and by extension, me as well, uh, because Sally first stumbled upon your blog, catholicallyear.com, several years ago and was realizing, oh, there's a really good way to live intentionally, especially with kids, but even without kids, there's a good way to live intentionally throughout the liturgical year. And indeed, that's what the church wants you to do. And you have built this whole personal ministry up around this idea, enabling families and individuals to structure their lives around the church year as we're supposed to do. So I want to thank you first off for all of your valuable work uh, on that front. And I'm excited to dive into some of these topics today. Thank you. Yeah, it's been such a great, um, it's been such a blessing in our, in our family's life too. And I'm so, I'm I'm glad to get to share it with people. Yeah. Same here. Uh, well, before we dive into that, let me just do you justice here. you just mentioned your family. I want to give you a full introduction and tell our listeners a little bit about who you are. So uh, just before we hit record, I was asking you if there were any updates to your bio from what I'm looking at on the back of your book. And the back of your book starts off with, Kendra Tierney is a wife and a mother of nine children from newborn to teenager. And you said, now there are 10 children. So congrats on the addition of the 10th and the growing family. 
And you're you're a homeschooling mom, uh, and also some of your kids go to school. I think you're the author of this book that I already mentioned, the Catholic All Year Compendium, but also a little book about confession for children and the superhero prayer book. In addition to being a contributor to Blessed Is She Ministries, and if you're a woman listening to this podcast and you haven't heard of Blessed Is She, you definitely should. So go to blessedisshe.net, uh, and you're also the voice of Liturgical Living at Endow Ministries. And I'm about to have another person from Endow on the show in a few weeks too. So uh, lots of intersections there. But Kendra. Welcome back. And uh, let me ask you this. Liturgical Living, you, I know you have these other books about confession and the superhero prayer book. Maybe on another interview, I can ask you about those. But we're going to confine this one to Liturgical Living. And I thought this was appropriate as we start Lent, because Lent, to my mind at least, is maybe the second best time of year after Advent to start off with a new resolution, uh, liturgically speaking, and start to conform your life to that of the church. So as we start Lent here, can you give my listeners an idea of what liturgical living is all about? Yeah, absolutely. And and I agree with you that, that there's something really motivational somehow about Lent, right? That we we want to, it feels like a challenge that we sort of want to rise up to and meet. Um, so liturgical living in the home, it, 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 the, well, let's back up a little bit. The liturgical calendar is basically um, the, the way that the church uh, observes all the different feast days and seasons that, that come uh, on the liturgical calendar. So there's different days set aside for uh, for all of the canonized saints in the church. There are also seasons, like we mentioned, Lent and Advent, and then Christmas and Easter, and then ordinary time. So it's just a way that the church organizes how we focus our our worship and how we focus our prayer life throughout the course of the year. And, you know, we can see that in how the liturgy dif differs from season to season when we're at mass, but we can also bring those traditions and that sort of rhythm of the year into our homes. And this is something that was really uh, really important in, uh, in earlier eras and maybe in countries where that had a, a a more exterior Catholic culture than uh, than America does, uh, and and so this idea that that saints' days and seasons of the church wouldn't just be something that would be that would happen in mass; it would be something that's part of our whole lives. So of course we would know that it was the, you know the feast of the annunciation and we would have a special food that we would eat for that day. And, you know, of course we would have some funny traditions for other saints and we would decorate our homes, not just for Christmas, but for the other liturgical seasons as well. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think you alluded to this a little bit, but my follow-on question for you was going to be, why is liturgical living important for Catholics? And I'm going to pose to you a hypothetical where somebody says, look, I just don't have time to structure my life entirely around the liturgical calendar. You know, the big the big solemnities are enough for me. I go to Christmas, I go to Easter, I go to Mass every Sunday, and I go to all the Holy Days of Obligation. But beyond that, I'm not going to spend time, you know, eating special food on this saint's day or doing this special activity with my family because we just, we have our own rhythms and structures and it's really too much for us to also structure beyond the Holy Days of Obligation that the church demands of us. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I can see that and, and families definitely go through different seasons. And if you are in a season of, you know, just barely getting by, probably this isn't the thing you want to start up right now. But 
but there are really ways to do it. And we found in our family that there are ways to just sort of tweak the way that you're already living, the the traditions that your family already has, and just make them reflect the liturgical year. It gives us the ability to have that that mindfulness of our faith throughout the year and not just on those big solemnities that we get, you know, we, we have such a beautiful focus on, on the incarnation, on the baby Jesus, on the coming of Christ, you know, in, in Advent. And that's, uh, it's such a beautiful building. And, and I think that a lot of people, regardless of how devout they are in, in the rest of the year, really feel that pull to give something up for Lent, you know, and, and if, if those two things are true for you, then you're already living the liturgical year in your home, you know? Um, and so then it's just a question of how can you add things a little bit differently? If you're in the habit of going out to eat, you know, could you choose a restaurant that, that, ref, that is the type of food of an upcoming saint? And then, you know, just sort of talk about it or think about it. If you like to go out on outings, could you, you know, if you take your kids to, uh, you know, out, out to do fun things, do you want to take them to the zoo for the feast of St. Francis of Assisi? And then it just is a springboard for conversation. Um, if, if, your preference is to focus on prayer rather than food. You know, do, do you want, uh, can you incorporate some of these great litanies of the church? Can you uh, add in the litany of Our Lady of Loretto uh, on Marian feast days? Things like that, that, that you can take things that, that you feel that pull to do anyway. But if you're just aware of these days as they fall on the calendar, then, then they can come back around each year and that we can grow sort of in our understanding and, um, and, and grow in faith over the course of this calendar year, each, you know, each year. I really like that. And maybe even more fundamentally, if the Tierneys can do it with 10 kids, there's no reason that (laughs) anybody else can't. Um, yeah, I want to just add a couple of things. So one, as you mentioned, it's really easy to just attack on a lot of these things to what you're already doing It's it's not necessarily a huge ask as far as additional time spent or consumed, just incorporating some of the aspects of the liturgical year into your existing family life. And second, I mean, if you're looking for a, a compelling reason to do it, this is what the church asks of us. And to my mind, there are two main reasons why you do it. The less significant is that this is what the rest of the church does. And so as you observe the liturgical year, you're doing so in solidarity with the, the Holy Catholic Church worldwide. And second, even more compelling, is that the liturgical year is a way for you to be united with the life of Christ. And Lent is perhaps the most poignant example of that, where for 40 days, Jesus wandered in the wilderness, fasting and praying. And we can also observe Lent and fast and pray as Jesus did. Now, probably uh, the vast majority of us won't be as hardcore and go without food for 40 days. But every little every little sacrifice that we make is a way of uniting ourselves to Christ and of uniting ourselves to his life and his death and living as he does. And the same goes for all of these things. I mean, every acknowledgement that we make of the saints throughout the calendar year is ultimately an acknowledgement of devotion to them because of the devotion that they had to Christ and the union that they now have with Christ. So the liturgical year is really a way that you and or your family can be more united to the life of Christ throughout the year. And I think it's really a really good thing to do. But let me ask you this, Kendra, how did you get 
into liturgical living. You're kind of, I think, the foremost authority <laughs> as far as family liturgical living and how to incorporate all of these things throughout the calendar year. But but the way I see it, at least, a lot of what you've done, a lot of your research in the Catholic All Year Compendium is focused on what the church has done in centuries past or at least in decades past. And so you're really trying to recover an older tradition, I think, of living liturgically. So how did you get into all this and when did you decide you were going to do this for your family? Yeah, so like most things in my life, it has been inspired by questions that my kids were asking me and and my standard answer is i don't know but i will find out and so you know as by as we were doing catechism and and things like that in or or these things would come up uh, in the liturgy at church and my kids would especially my oldest is is has always been a question asker and so he would ask me something and i would say all right i'm gonna i i don't know i will look into it and and as i was looking up these feast days or these saints lives the stories of the lives of the saints i would come across these cool old traditions just these funny things that that people in specific countries or in in earlier times would do and i would just think to myself wow that sounds really fun and you know things like you know, Star Wars Day or something comes up uh, in the calendar or clean out your refrigerator day. And it's something that we all want to do together, right? That it's motivational to do things together. And I just realized, you know what, the Catholic Church, we used to do these fun things together. We used to mark these these seasons of the year and these saints days with these funny old traditions that people would do all together. And I realized that I really wanted that in my family. I wanted my kids to to observe you know, the days of fasting and abstinence. And I also wanted to incorporate these fun feast days and these silly traditions that really help create that culture of of an of a Catholic identity in my kids so that it's not just one choice among many. It's not just something that you could walk away from because you don't it's inconvenient to go to mass on Sunday that it's actually sort of threaded through your whole life and all of these fun observations and this knowledge, this way of growing in, in understanding because we have waffles on the feast of the annunciation. uh, But we also talk about what that means um, and what the annunciation is and why it's important in, in our, in our lives. So, uh, so that's how the sort of uh, how the motivation to do it all, all came to be. But uh, do, do you want to go into like actual like which feasts we start with and things like that? Yeah, I think that'd be great. So as we're we're talking, Kendra, today is February 23rd. Yesterday we celebrated. I'm sorry, today's February 24th. Two days ago we celebrated the chair of St. Peter and my kids uh, taking a cue from your book made a little uh, craft chair from. Uh, from food, you know, I think it was like crackers and pretzel and Skittles for the adhesive and, and then ate the chair. And so that gave an opportunity for my wife and I to talk to them about what the chair of St. Peter means and how, uh, yes, there is a physical chair the Pope sits in, but really the chair of St. Peter is the authority that the Pope derives, etc. I was looking at the section in your book and your family writes letters to the Pope 
Uh, I especially appreciated the part where you talked about the proper salutations uh, and the proper closing, which is, I have the honor to profess myself with the most profound respect, your holiness's most obedient and humble servant. Uh, and I, I love that. So that's a simple simple example of the chair of St. Peter. But yeah, maybe for someone who is not quite ready to uh, to build you know, candy-derived chairs of St. Peter, what's the best way to start liturgical living? And maybe keeping, keeping in mind that we're at the start of Lent right now, maybe there's something that is it corresponds to Lent, or maybe we'll stick with the the birthdays, saint name days, things like that. But what's the best way you think to start liturgical living? Yeah, I think that that really the uh, the f- first step is just a mindfulness that this exists, and the best way f- I think to start that is to get a wall calendar that has not just the secular uh, holidays, but but the feast days on it. And a lot of churches give those out for free. They seem to be uh, sponsored by local funeral homes and just back in the vestibule and you can grab one and you can just see as you're looking at the upcoming month, oh, look, you know, here are these saint days. Oh, there's a saint that I have heard of that I like that maybe I want to look into and find out more. But like I said, you know, we are, we're so motivated by our kids and, uh, and a lot of us gave our kids names that are associated with a saint. And so I think a really good way to sort of start tiptoeing into living the liturgical year in the home is, is to focus on, on our family members, focus, you know, turn inward before we look, uh, more broadly. And so we celebrate what we call the three special days, birthday, which you're probably already celebrating, uh, name day, which would be the saints, this, the saints feast day of, uh, the saint with whom your child shares a name or just a patron saint. If like me, your name is not the name of a canonized saint yet. Um, so I use my confirmation saint, uh, so saint, uh, birthday name day, and then the anniversary of your baptism. And again, just it's sort of the idea of walking the walk where we say that we believe that your baptism is more important than your birth as far as your salvation. But if we don't celebrate it, then what, what message are we actually giving our kids? So to just sort of start incorporating those uh, and then little things like, like you said, we're coming up to Lent. So how can I make Lent feel a little bit different in, in my day-to-day life than, than ordinary time? I love that point about how we need to celebrate baptisms to communicate their importance. If they're more important than birthdays, then we better be celebrating them. Okay, how about this? Yeah. So a lot of what you laid out is great for a family who has kids and you can structure your liturgical living around the lives of your kids. But what about someone who is single or a couple who is married and doesn't have kids? How are some ways that they can observe liturgical living? Yeah, two things, and I'm going to give you two things on the like either end of the spectrum here, and I and I really, I really suggest both. So there is a book called Drinking with the Saints, and uh, it has uh, liturgically inspired cocktail recipes, and it's just really great. So I would suggest throwing you know liturgically themed cocktail parties or just you know making yourself a special liturgically themed drink in the evening. Um, yeah, that sounds great. And, yeah. Right. Uh, but just things like that, that we're looking to, so many of us are looking to create community and, and it feels like this worldwide epidemic of loneliness and that these 
these saints days are a great opportunity and these old traditions are a great opportunity to have some friends over or meet up someplace um, and start building, start building community based on our Catholic traditions. So, you know, it, I, I would suggest throwing, you know, like I said, a cocktail party or um, going out, you know, coming up with some sort of activity that, um, you know, through your parish or just your group of friends that that would allow you to to use the liturgical calendar to, you know, to not only learn more about your faith, but also create community. Um, but so the the, the uh, I told you I was going to give you both sides of the spectrum. The one was the drinking with the saints and the other uh, is to uh, to incorporate the liturgical year into your prayer life. And, uh, and I alluded to that a little bit before, but there are so many amazing, good devotions in the Catholic church that we could not possibly do all of them at the same time, you know, every day. So what I like about the liturgical year is it really gives me the chance to focus my prayer life on, on all these different devotions. And each month is actually dedicated to a specific, um, devotion and so, you know, the uh, October is dedicated to the rosary and July is dedicated to the precious blood and June is the sacred heart. And so if you take that, you know, the calendar can be kind of a springboard to try these different devotions. And if you aren't in the habit of saying a daily rosary, maybe you try that in October. And if you, um, you know, and here as we're approaching Lent, uh, if you haven't prayed the Stations of the Cross before, or if you've done it but irregularly, now is a really good time to to get into that and and try. It. And then you can see which of these devotions really builds fruit in your in your life. I love that. That's, those are really good recommendations. How about this for a question? So, what are some of your favorite liturgical observations to do with your family. They could be off the wall or they could be really routine. I mean, I, uh, you know, we went to on November 2nd, we went to a cemetery to pray for all of the souls in purgatory. And that was a really unique opportunity. One, I mean, who goes to cemeteries to pray anymore? I know that that's been a traditional Catholic practice for a long time, but a lot of people don't do it now. Two, it was a really good way for us to talk to our kids about purgatory and about death and the final things, the last things. And, and we did it with friends as well. So we did it in a Catholic community. So things like that are really good. I'm also partial to all the excuses that we have to like go out and grill and make burgers. I know St. Luke is the patron saint of butchers. So on St. Luke's day on October 18th, we did burgers and went out and grilled and that was really fun. So how about your family though? What are some of the things that you guys most like to do? Yeah. Um, my favorite liturgical celebration, and couldn't I just, could I pick a favorite kid instead? Um, uh, but yeah, I, um, we have, we have so many favorites and the, the one that you mentioned of, um, of praying in the cemetery for the, for the Holy souls is one that has really been so meaningful to us over the years. The, um, Christmas novena, uh, which is this really old sort of set of prayers and Bible readings that trace salvation history through the old Testament to the incarnation. And it just allows us to sit down as a family for half an hour in the evening on each of the nine days before Christmas and, and really prepare ourselves for Christmas. And 
and when we switched, you know, when we started doing that, it just made, made such a switch in our, in our focus and our family on what Christmas means. Um, and it, it made it so much easier to be able to handle all the craziness of, you know, presents and parties and, and all of that, but, but keep the, the awareness of, of what it really means. Uh, and then as we're coming up to Lent, I would say that, that just having decorations up, not just, not just for Christmas, but but in our home in Lent to get a couple of cactuses, you know, little potted cactuses or succulent plants to um, use the time to, you know, sort of tidy, tidy up the house and, and, and keep it a little more sparse, a little more bare. Um, we have just some big nails that we got that I got at the hardware store that I'm sure are not at all historically accurate, but they are a good reminder of, of, what Lent is and what we're preparing for. Um, and, uh, and, you know, just my, I, I put the little cactuses and some burlap cloth, uh, up on our mantelpiece or on the dining room table to just sort of create a little bit of an environment that reminds us visually that it is Lent. And, and I find that to be, uh, a, a really good way to, to remember why I'm, to remember the things that I've chosen to give up. Uh, so I don't forget that I'm trying to do them or not do them. And to just, uh, you know, to, to have that reminder, that visual reminder for myself and my kids as, as we approach Lent. So those are some of the things that, that are my favorites. Great. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Kendra. And to our listeners, if you want to read more about this, I encourage you go to Ignatius, uh, the Ignatius Publisher website. I think it's Ignatius.com or IgnatiusPress.com. And uh, go go ahead and buy the Catholic All Year Compendium. I was actually just looking, Kendra, prior to jumping on with you, I was just looking at the Ignatius Press catalog that goes out every two weeks or so. And your book, you probably know this, but your book's on sale for 25% off if you buy it online before, I think, April 12th. So a great time to go pick up a copy of the Catholic All Year Compendium. Kendra, Kendra, for a final question here, where can people go to find out more about your work and keep up with what you're doing along the lines of liturgical living or homeschooling, Catholic life, whatever you're working on these days? Yeah, thank you. Uh, so my blog is catholicallyear.com. I'm also on Facebook as Kendra Tierney, Catholic All Year. I'm on Instagram. I've got two accounts on Instagram. One is Kendra underscore Tierney. That's you know, just sort of shows our family and, and our liturgical living in the home. And then there's a Catholic all year account where I share like saint quotes and graphic images and remind you of, of how we celebrate feast days. Perfect. Well, that all sounds great. Hopefully our listeners can check that out and we'd love to have you on maybe, uh, maybe come, come Advent or so. And we, we can talk about some ways to observe Advent liturgically. That would be great. Thanks so much, Kendra. All right. Thank you. All right, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Creedal Catholic, and thanks to Kendra for that wonderful insight about liturgical living. I encourage you to do this with your family or even just by yourself. It is really a great way to structure your life around the life of the church and, consequently, the life of Christ. We'll be back next week with those first four chapters, discussion at least, about the first four chapters of the Benedict book, Jesus of Nazareth, Holy Week. So grab your copy, pick it up, read those first four chapters, and you can be all ready to join Kevin and I for the discussion. If you want to send me a note, Zach at CredoCatholic.com. That's just Z-A-C at CredoCatholic.com. 
And if you're reading that book and you want to send me a note about something you've read in there, something that piqued your interest, something that you didn't know before, something that you uh, thought was interesting or maybe incorrect, correct, enlightening, inspiring, whatever, send me a note, Zach at CredoCatholic.com, and I'll be sure to include it in our discussion next week. All right, for Credo Catholic, I'm Zach. God bless you. <laughs>